My name is David Siegler, and welcome to my podcast. Hello out there in property sourcing land, all you property sourcing profiteers. Tuning in to the podcast for anyone who's trying to make money by sourcing properties. I'm here uh, on my own this week, but I've got a really important topic to talk to you about. I've got a cold. You can probably hear. No, that's not the topic. I just thought I'd share it with you so that if I sound a bit rough during this, uh, my apologies, but I'll do what I can uh, to make the content really interesting so you can get past all the snorts and snuffles and wheezing and coughing and stuff. It's me. It's man flu team this time. Man flu. I think it's serious. Okay, so straight into some content. Uh, and... It's been all over the TV. Um, I am recording this episode uh, where in the third week of October. Uh, so every time you turn on the news, Brexit is in the news. We haven't really dealt with Brexit uh, at all on this podcast. And I've, I've held back for very, very good reasons because uh, this is not a political episode, right? Uh, this is about property and Brexit. Uh, and I'm hoping very much uh, that by the end of this episode, you will have no ideas where my sympathies lie, one way or the other, with Brexit. But we do have to t- think about it. We do have to talk about it if we're property people. Is it is it making an impact on the market? If it is making an impact, what is that impact? Going forward, what are the, at this point in time, time of recording, there are all sorts of options that could, anything could happen, really. Uh, so, uh, if anything happens, how is that going to affect us in our business? So, it's a really, really serious point. Uh, Brexit is something we have to talk about. I'm going to talk about it today. Uh, there's a few things I need to clarify from the start. I've made it absolutely clear it's not political. You know, in or out, I don't care. We're all in this together, team. Uh, this is not financial advice. I am not, in this episode, giving financial advice um, if you want financial advice, go to a proper financial advisor, okay? So I think that's important to make clear. But as a property investor, as a deal packager, uh, we are affected by what's going on in the wider world, and that's why I want to deal with it today. And uh, it was actually triggered. Why now, Dave? Why now? It's been going on for three years or 30 years, depending on your views. Um, why are you dealing with it today? Well, it was quite interesting because I had a meeting last week with four of the best and brightest, in my view, deal packages out there today, people who are actually running significant deal packaging business, serving investors and finding deals. And really, it was a bit of a catch-up, a little round table, and we sort of uh, compared notes. And there were some spooky, spooky coincidences, which led me to think there are bigger, bigger powers out there, bigger bigger influencing uh, aspects in the market that perhaps I ought to think about. And uh, that has led me, because I'm not an economist, right? I'm not a financial advisor, but it's led me to have a look at uh, maybe some of the drivers that uh, we rely on subconsciously. We might not even realize, but I think when I uh, spell them out to you in the next uh, few minutes on this episode, you'll you'll kind of go, yeah, yeah, of course, David, that's obvious, right? Um, but is it obvious? Okay, so here is what I found. 
talking to my four friends who are out there, they all sang the same song to me, and I have to say I echo every word they said, that in the current market today, October 2019, there is plenty of investors. There are sufficient investors that want to buy, but what we're struggling to do is find sufficient stock uh, that we can sort through to find the best deals for our investors. Very, very important. Okay, so we're not finding enough stock. But as one of my friends said to me, quote, unquote, in rather inelegant language, I shall delete the expletive on this occasion, but you, you'll get it, right? Uh, David, I've got investors coming out of my ears, is what he said. And we all feel like that. So when we say we've got investors coming out of our ears, we have qualified people with cash, maybe they want to buy a mortgage, that's cool too, uh, who are waiting to find deals, but we can't get the deals. And why can't we get the deals? Well, I did not know until I started my research, I'm going to share this with you, that the stock, available stock with um, estate agents available today in the United Kingdom is at an all-time low. I never knew that until I started um, digging around following my little roundtable last week. Maybe you didn't know that either. So I think it's an all-time low relative to the size of the market. You know, with, it's, it's, a, it's a relative number. But in the size of the market today, relatively, uh, the estate agents do not have available houses for sale. Why? Why aren't people putting their houses on the market? Uh, there are very, it hasn't, start that sentence again, David. Uh, it has not, it has appeared, got to the point yet where vendors are reducing prices. Now, I'm going to qualify that because it's a different story if you're in London and the Southeast to the rest of the uh, United Kingdom. So in London and the Southeast, prices have fallen back a little bit, uh, apparently 15 to 20% below their peaks in 2015-2016 is what uh, estate agents are seeing. Is what, uh, And I've done, um, just so you're aware, I've done research all over the place on this, all the main bodies, uh, the Nationwide, um, RICS uh, organization, um, the managing director of Hart, the biggest estate agent. I've gone to all sorts of places. I'm not going to call them out as I go through. Uh, but these are not my numbers. These are numbers that I have trawled through and found. So London and the Southeast, maybe 20% down on the peak, maybe. Uh, very low number of transactions. So, um, you know, is it... it is it really 20% down if there's really a low number of transactions? Is there enough transactions for us to make that judgment? In the rest of the United Kingdom, it appears that house prices are still on the upswing. Now, it's not a massive upswing, but it's steady, steady growth over time. And again, this was echoed in my meeting with my deal packages, deal packaging friends last week. Because they are seeing in most of the United Kingdom now, and I know you can go out and find double-digit yields, I get that. But in uh, most of the United Kingdom, the great cities, cities in the north, uh, cities in the west, northwest, um, in the Midlands, gross yields for single lets, and I'm going to take that as our, our template, right? Gross yields for single lets 
somewhere in the six percent, you know, something over six percent less than seven. Uh, so that, you know, that's, that's pretty low in my, in my time. You know, I've been doing this a long time. I'm in my fifth property cycle. I'll come back to that. Um, yields at six, six and a half percent for single lets in most of UK is pretty unparalleled. Um, I've not seen that very often. Sorry about the voice team. I'm going to keep going. So I did a bit of research. Uh, what drives house prices? What is it that makes house prices go up and go down? And I've come up with half a dozen things. So I'm going to share it with you now, and then I'm going to pull it all together, and I'm going to tell you my view. It's mine, mine, right? It's it's unofficial. Um, do not take it as financial advice. Do not act on my advice uh, without getting independent, proper financial advice. It's my view on the market, what's going to happen, what might not happen, okay? So the drivers that I see for uh, house prices, whether they go up or down, are interest rates, absolutely key. But interest rates are at historic lows. And in fact, since the summer, the US, in the US, the Fed has eased interest rates again. Uh, and they've been mirrored through uh, a lot of the industrialized world. Right, not so much in the UK for other reasons, um, and the concern in the rest of the world. We're busy battling Brexit, right? But the concern in the rest of the world is very, very small economic growth worldwide. Um, so nothing's happening really, and and the idea was that the Fed wanted to promote economic growth and and try and offset a recession. You know, don't put a recession in place. So. Interest rates are low. House demand, housing demand is high. In the United Kingdom, we do not have enough houses. Uh, wage growth against the cost of houses. So historically, uh, it has been becoming more and more difficult uh, to buy property as a first-time buyer in the United Kingdom for sure. You know, if you go back to the 1950s and 60s, approximately um, two and a half times earnings would buy you a house, right? If you went into your, oh, your building society in those days with your deposit you'd saved up, uh, they would work out your mortgageability based on two and a half, three times your earnings, right? If you try that today, you're not going to buy very much. So they've stretched the eligibility numbers. We're now something over eight towards nine times earnings, depending on where uh, in the United Kingdom you are. And that's absolutely key. That may be, it may be one reason why properties in the north are still going up in value, because real wages uh, are growing slowly, right? But they are growing for the first time in a decade, probably, Um which makes house prices in the north of England, the Midlands, quite affordable. So affordability is not a problem. If you come into London and the South East, affordability is a real problem because London and the South East had massive growth through 2014, 2015, 2016, which made them unaffordable for normal first-time buyers going into the market with a deposit. Uh, however... If you go to cities in the north, you can still do that. If you can find a house, which takes us on to house supply, are there enough houses? Now, we know there are not enough houses. We know that the population is growing. 
we know that there are all sorts of pressures on the housing stock, not only people coming into our wonderful country, but also things like families, uh, family breakups. You know, you need two family homes instead of one family home. Um, and I saw on the news during the week that there is an estimate uh, that by 2030, there's going to be 70 million people living in the United Kingdom. They've, they've all got to have somewhere to live, right? So it's very important. Uh, inflation. So um, wage inflation uh, will be good because affordability will be assisted. But ultimately, if that continues for too long, house prices will push up because vendors are smart and they know that they can get more money for their houses. So taking a step back from all that, and I'm no economist team, you're getting the gist of this by now, right? The key to house price growth is the Econ growth in the economy. The economy has to grow. And since 2008 in particular, our economy has not really grown that much relatively to where it should have grown. So we are behind the curve, right? Um, and unless we can get growth into the economy, then house prices are not going to go up and the whole thing's going to grind to a halt. Okay? So, what does that mean for us? So what's it got to do with Brexit? Because something is going to cause the next property slump or the next property boom. So I've been through five property cycles, and there's boom and bust, boom and bust, boom and bust. That's just how it rolls. Okay? Some people analyze this far more carefully, and I've been looking in preparation for recording this episode at a theory called the 18-year property cycle. Um, and there are proponents of this out there. In other words, there is a repeating cycle every 18 years. And if you can work out where you are on the cycle, you will know exactly what's going to happen to house prices next. Could it be a, a mid-cycle? There is something called a mid-cycle correction, which uh, comes after recovery. Right, so we're in a. Are we in a slow recovery stage? That we haven't gone into boom yet. That's for sure. Um, what's going to happen next? What's happening? Some people think we're going to have a little mini crash, which is just a correction. Right, it's not a. It's not going to um, disrupt the market too much, but it's a mini crash followed by a boom. Is that where we are? So there's two or three imponderables here. Does the 18 pro year property cycle actually exist? You know, or am I wasting my time looking for a model? Um, and uh, even if we found the model, have we identified where we are in the cycle? Because we're, if we're in a completely different place in the cycle, you know, it, it, there's nothing we can learn from it. Um, here's the thing that, that's going to happen. There is going to be a boom. There is going to be a bust. What's going to come next, we don't know, right? Something will cause it. There's always something that causes a bust or a boom. Will it be Brexit? That's what this episode is about. Um, I'm sorry to say I don't know the answer, team. It may be Brexit. It may not. And uh, I've been looking very carefully about the theories on the different sorts of Brexit might, the effect that might have on the property market. And they are theories, obviously, because there's never been a Brexit before, and we don't know exactly what's happened. But I'm going to pass on the accepted wisdom. It is not my wisdom. This is what I've done from my research. And I have spent a bit of time on this, uh, getting this episode together. 
because I think it, I think I'm interested in it. I think you'll be interested in it. I, th I think you might want to know. So um, again, from people much more learned from me and th than me, and there are many of them, all in official bodies and professionals out there in property land. This is what I've learned the possibilities are. Now, are any of these going to happen? We don't know, but I'm going to share it with you. Okay. Um, from what I've seen, if we come out in an orderly fashion with a deal, so Brexit is achieved and we come out with an orderly fashion, what I'm being told and what I found in my research is that suddenly all the uncertainty will disappear so that more properties will come to the market. Remember, we're at a very low stock at the current day. So people who have been holding back to see what happens will come to the market. Uh, there's a pent-up demand from investors. Now, we know that in our own world because I told you earlier in this episode that I've got four friends and myself who have got investors coming out of our ears, right, waiting to try and find a decent deal. So um, it may well be if we come out of the EU in an orderly fashion, then confidence will be restored and we'll go back to normal and we might get a bit of a boom. Now, there's a mirror to that, apparently, if we remain in the EU. If we remain in the EU, the fact that certainty is in place will have a similar effect. The disruption uh, appears, the theories on the disruption are, if we come out of uh, the EU, if the Brexit happens, with something less than uh, a deal, or um, maybe we don't come out of the EU, but, but the uncertain, uncertainty continues. So let me deal with those two. Okay? What I have read is if we come out with a no deal, the accepted wisdom by people who know appears to be this. There will or may be an initial shock to the system. But they're thinking it's not going to be long held. And the sort of figure they're talking about, reduction in property prices, is around 5%. That is the perceived wisdom. That is, these are not my numbers. I'll share it with you. But I do remember in 2007, 2008, when we had the crash there, that residential property prices in the UK fell by 17%. So now we're only talking about 5%. And uh, the other thing, um, the corollary to it, is if we come out with a no deal, the accepted wisdom is that within a couple of years, two to three years, we will have the necessary agreements in place. Well, we, we're going to have to have agreements in place, right, or the world will stop. Okay. Once those agreements start to be put in place, confidence will recover and things can move forward again. So that 5% drop will be um, regained, and then property prices will start moving into a more normal market again. So the further away from a disorderly Brexit we get, uh, things will become more settled. These are not my theories. These are things that I've read up on, and I can give you all the references if you really, really want them. Um, it appears that the most pessimistic predictions for the housing market in the UK is if the uncertainty continues. So resolution on this appears to be the key. Sitting here today, uh, no one no one knows what's going to happen. People think they know what's going to happen. Are we going to stay? Are we going to go? What's it going on? Who knows? 
could the, are we still going to be talking about this in two, three years' time? If we are still talking about this in, 2000, uh, in 2022, 23, that, it appears, is the most noxious um, scenario for property prices because things are just going to grow into a hall. Uh, you know, some people are going to have to move, right? And those are the people that are going to have to, they're going to have to sell. Those are the people that will be driving the property market because they have to, um, which means that prices will probably go down, but will funding be available? You know, again, in this, this is what I see on a daily basis in my deal packaging business. Lenders are very cautious. Uh, they are. I am increasingly hearing from friends all around the UK because I'm in a privileged position where I, I get feedback from people all around the UK buying, trying to buy for investors' properties. I'm hearing um, significant down valuations compared to, you know, a couple of years ago. So banks, um, on the face of it, if you want a, a buy to let, you've got to put a 25% deposit down. However, banks are down valuing property prices. So uh, the effect of that is you might have to put 30, 35% deposit, deposit down, right? HMO uh, revaluations are much closer these days, you know, generally, there will be specifics that buck the trend for local reasons. But generally, we are seeing figures closer to bricks and mortar valuations than any, any yield-driven valuation, any. Now, if it's definitely a commercial building that you're converting to an HMO, it's easier to get a yield driven valuation in today's market but i'm seeing houses struggling to achieve the sort of valuations we were getting maybe 18 months two years ago that's my real world experience okay if you've got different experience you know email me message me con reach out to me i will be interested to know okay because it's, it's this is just my perspective okay so brexit team is it going to affect the property market it may um if it happens, what's going to happen? Don't know. If it doesn't happen, is that going to hurt us? Who can say? In any event, the property market is going to turn at some point. There will be a crash. There will be a boom. Is Brexit going to be relevant to that in any sense? Or is something else you know, going to, going to creep out of the woodwork and affect the world economy and therefore house prices? I know I've raised more questions that I've answer, uh, answered here, uh, but I want you to know, guys, that I've spent a bit of time on this episode trying to find the answer, and guess what? Didn't really find the answer. However, uh, just by sort of extrapolating all the variations, <laughs> well, I have no idea why I just said extrapolating all the variations. That it's not in the script. It just came out, but... I'm quite, pleased, uh, quite impressed that I was able to say it twice without fumbling. Um, I hope I've given you a bit more insight. Um, I hope it's been helpful. We're going to be back next week. Uh, get out there and do what you can. However many houses are on the market today, we're going to sell all of them. It's going to be great. Thank you for listening. I am David Siegler. See you on the next episode.